0: we've been starting our, our new series called Greater Things. We kicked it off last week um, and we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Listen, we're a Pentecostal church and I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit and, and, and this is where we're finding our information from. It's not something that I made up, it's from the Bible. So John chapter 14, let me read you one of our theme verses. Jesus says this, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me Will do works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. Last week I mentioned that the Holy Spirit is often dry or misunderstood. So if it's dry or misunderstood, then, then the teaching of the Holy Spirit is either left out or it's overemphasized. We, we talked about the weird services that I've been a part of. Many of you can can remember back to some weird Pentecostal, maybe spirit craziness that you've been a part of. But I can also remember back to the spirit-filled services that absolutely changed my life. I've seen both. I've seen the, the overemphasized services, and then I've also seen the very real and tangible services. I taught last week that the spirit is always pointing to the sun, and the sun is always pointing to the Father. When I started writing this series, I thought that this series was going to be mostly about the Holy Spirit, and it is, but what I didn't realize that in this passage, Jesus is pointing to the Holy Spirit, but he is also continually referencing the Father. In fact, think about John chapter 14 and its context. Jesus references the Father 26 times, Even in our theme verse, Jesus says, because I am going to the Father, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate that will never leave you. And that's the Holy Spirit. So to understand the Holy Spirit, we have to understand the Father. The Spirit wasn't just something for biblical times. We can't separate the Bible from what was to today today. The the Bible is just as if the Bible itself is just as important when Jesus or, or when it was originally written to now, then the teachings of the Holy Spirit and the teachings of the Bible in its context are just as important today than they were when they were originally written. We can't separate God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So in order to fully understand how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work together, we have to take a deeper look at John chapter 14. What I love is Philip's response in verse 8. Philip said this, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. That's Philip's response to Jesus. Show us the Father and we will be satisfied. The Greek word for satisfied is optarki, and that means to be content or to have enough. So what Philip is saying in this scripture, he says, Jesus, show us the Father and that's all we really need. Show us the Father, and we will be content. Show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Let me ask you this. What if that's actually a cry of a generation? Could could it be? But Let me take some creative liberty for a second. Could it be that all the hurt and all the anger and all the brokenness and all the division and all the confusion in our world is actually a search for the Father. Could, could it be, could it be that, that, that every bit of searching is actually a search for the Father? What if every bit of wondering is actually wondering about God the Father? What if every bit of doubting or uncertainty is actually about God the Father? Let me ask you this: What if the identity crisis we are experiencing as a society is actually an identity crisis about the father? Coach Jackson and I have been talking about this a lot lately, and and talking about fatherhood. and And, and I told you, like, one of the caveats about having uh, two kids is that I didn't think I would be, be I didn't think I was going to be able to love the second one. I was like, yeah, the the second one's in trouble because I I love the first one. But what I've noticed is that my heart continues to get bigger and bigger with each and every day. And I think the problem, I'm a firm believer, that the problem in our society is that we actually have a fatherhood crisis. What was he saying? What was Philip saying? He needed to see the father to be satisfied. What if that's the cry of a generation? What if that's what our society is actually crying out? Think think about these statistics. In 1960, 9.1% of kids lived in single-family homes. To start with, that's too many. But in 2020, 18.3 million, or one in four kids, lived in a single-family home. Do the math, it's 25%. Kids who grew up without a dad are four times greater risk of poverty seven times more likely to be pregnant as a teen, more likely to have behavioral problems, more likely to face abuse and neglect, two times greater of risk of of infant mortality, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to go to prison, two times more likely to suffer obesity, more likely to commit suicide, and two times more likely to drop out of high school. And I can keep reading the stats. The list goes on and on. And like Philip, we have a generation who are unsatisfied because they don't know their father. Malachi chapter 4, starting in verse 5, says this, Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day that the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with the curse. So what do we know about the prophet Elijah? We know that he was actually a prophet of the Spirit. If any of the Old Testament prophets demonstrated Spirit-empowered ministry It was Elijah. Think of some of the things that he did. He caused the rain to cease for three and a half years. The resurrection of the widow's son in 1 Kings chapter 17. The calling of fire from heaven on the altar in 1 Kings 18. And then he called fire from heaven on 50 soldiers in 2 Kings. But he also did it to another 50 soldiers a chapter later. He parted the Jordan River. The list goes on and on. But what was the purpose of those miracles and the demonstration of the power of the Spirit? The purpose was to turn the hearts of children to their fathers and fathers to their children. John the Baptist was a type of Elijah in the New Testament. In Mark chapter 1, we see John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. The purpose was to turn people back to the Father. It's what we saw in Malachi chapter 4. Verse 6, remember, it says this. His preaching will turn the hearts I would suggest that our society isn't turning their hearts back to the Father. And right now, I'm not talking about their earthly father. I'm talking about the heavenly father. The Spirit is connecting sons and daughters to their father. And the enemy knows this. The enemy knows that if he can take out the fathers of our generation, then he can take out an entire generation. But if we restore the heart of fathers, we can win a generation. Part of the end-time work of the Spirit will be raising up a generation of fathers. Fathers who will love the Lord with all their hearts, and with all their minds, and with all their souls. Fathers who will worship the Lord God Almighty. I told you about my experience this morning. Shame on me if I don't worship God in front of my kids. Sh- shame on me, not the church, not, not kids' church. Shame on the parents. Shame on me. God has entrusted me with my kids. I can't rely on the school system. I can't rely on the church system. I have to rely on my devotional life. I have to rely on my worship life. I have to rely on the the, the four walls that that my girls live in. That's what I've been entrusted. Fathers who will love and honor their wives. Fathers who will lead and guide their kids. Why? Because a generation is crying out, just like Philip, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. But not only is there a fatherhood crisis in the world, I think there's actually a response crisis in the world. Let me ask you a couple questions. Was Philip a follower of Jesus? Say yes. Yes. Here you go. I'll help you out. Was Philip an inner circle disciple of Jesus? Say yes. yes. Philip followed Jesus, but let me ask you this. Was Philip satisfied? Say no. Why? Because Philip himself says, show us the Father, then I will be satisfied. I wonder how many Christians who are following Jesus for years. You're saved. You've gone to church. You've been a part of small groups. You've been in ministry. And you're still not satisfied because you haven't fully allowed the Son and the Spirit to introduce you to the Father. Let me ask you a few questions this morning. What if the Father is more kind and loving than you think? Beginning of verse 9 says this, anyone who has seen me, Jesus is talking, has seen the Father. The Father is like the Son. The Son is like the Father. If you remember my illustration from last week, none of you in this room have ever met my dad. I don't think, right? Raise your hand if you met my dad. Nobody's ever met my dad in this room. He passed away about three years ago. But I, I told you this if you've seen me, you've seen my dad. If you've been in a vehicle with me, I drive, it drives me nuts. I drive like my dad. I, I hold my hand on the steering wheel like my dad. I hold my arm out the window like my dad. I changed the radio station like my dad. I looked back over my head to my daughters like my dad looked back at me and my sister when I was. If you've seen me, then you've seen my father. I've had many conversations with people doing ministry throughout the past few years. Even, even back in high school, I remember having these conversations. And individuals would say something like this, I can get with Jesus because Jesus seems nice. Jesus seems loving. But I can't, I can't get with God. The idea of God scares me. I, I think that God is always angry. So the individuals feel caught between the deepest longing of their soul and the fear of where that search will actually lead. There's a book that I picked up. It's called Darth Vader and Son. It's a it's a kid's book. And uh, the, the idea, all the Star Wars fans kind of just looked up like, huh, that's cute. Yeah. But the idea of, of this book is that is that Luke Skywalker is trying to find his dad. It's just kind of in cartoon version. But what I picked up out of this book is this. Luke's whole journey was, I want to know my father, but I'm afraid of what he's like. I want to know my Father, but I'm afraid of what He's like. And I think there's many people in this room that that's the way that you approach God. I want to know my Father, but I'm afraid I'm afraid of what He's like. I feel like He's always angry with me. Jesus is the one that forgives me, and God's always angry at me. You feel something along the lines of God is just a tyrant, or I can never do enough to please Him. But, but what if I ask you this question? What if the Spirit has been drawing you to the Father, All your life. The back end of verse 9, going into verse 11, 11, let me read it to you. How can you say, show us the Father? Again, Jesus is talking. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. If you're not going to believe me, at least believe in the evidence that I show. So the question I have back to each and every single person today is, do you believe you have a father who loves you? See, many of us would hesitate. If you're like me, I didn't grow up in the church. Started talking about God. I'm like, I don't know if he likes me or not. Bad stuff happens. I don't know. Does God like me? Is God, is God mad at me? And then I would ask myself questions like this. How could God allow all the bad in the world? If there is a good God, then why is there so much suffering? You guys ever ask those questions? Hey, if there's a good God, then why is there so much pain? If there's a good God, then why are there so many people dying of starvation? If there's a good God, then why did the Holocaust happen? If there's a good God, then why did 9-11 happen? If there's a good God, then why are there still wars and genocide? If there's a good God, then why are people sexually abused? If there's a good God, then why do dads leave families? If there's a good God, then why do marriages fall apart? If there's a good God, then why wasn't my grandmother healed from cancer? Fill in your own blank. If there's a good God, then why? Early on in his career, Steve Jobs picked up a time or excuse me a life magazine and on the front of this life magazine there was a picture of starving children and he stormed into a church and he went straight to the pastor and he says pastor does God know about this as he hung up held up the magazine pastor responded yes God knows so why is God allowing this to happen why is God silent now here's the problem the problem is that pain is real That The problem is that evil is real. Problems are real and evident in this world, but but church, so is the answer. The answer is also real and tangible and evident. See, we can simplify the problem. We can simplify that people are hungry and they need to be fed. We can simplify that abuse is, is wrong and we need to take care of it. We can simplify, well, that marriage is just falling apart. We can simplify, well, well, that kid is just running from the Lord. We can simplify whatever we need to take the ownership off of ourselves. Well, that's just the way that it is. We can simplify the problem, but we can also simplify the answer. We we don't want to simplify the answer because if we simplify the answer, then that puts ownership back on us. But this is what I know to be true. I know that the devil is real. I, I know that that's why there's pain and there's suffering. I also know this, that humanity was created with a choice. But more than both of those, I know this, that God's answer is the cross. The answer is in the evidence and the evidence is in the cross. The ultimate Evidence of a loving and kind and generous father is what happened on the cross. See, we can simplify the problem, but we don't want to simplify the answer. And what God has said is, I've already simplified the answer. But as soon as we turn away from the cross, as soon as society turns away from Jesus, as soon as we turn away from what God intended, then we no longer have the answer. We wonder, we wonder why in our society we don't have the answer to all of these questions. Why do they continue to happen? I would suggest that too many people are running from the answer. They're running from Jesus. They're running from the cross. The answer is and always will be Jesus. Let me ask you this, what if the Father is closer than you think? Going back to verse 9, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? even after I've been among you for such a long time. What if what you've been looking for is already in your life? Think of Jesus' response to Philip. Don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me, Stacy? What if God says, don't you know me, Mackenzie? Don't you know me, Matt? Don't, don't, don't you know me? And he calls Philip out by name. Jesus didn't say something along the lines of, Don't you know me, random guy? Don't you know me, random disciple? Jesus called Philip out intentionally. And it was meaningful that Jesus says Philip's name because the longing for identity is a longing for the Father. All we're longing for is for someone to call our name and your identity is found when someone calls your name your identity is found in your name with parents in the room you've recognized it you can't just say hey y'all come downstairs and the kids don't come downstairs but if i say hey piper gray yes sir like she she jumps when i call her name she jumps any parents in the room when you call your kids name they jump they respond a little they respond a little differently this time of year there's a lot of graduations going on and I've seen I've seen these graduations posted everywhere. Y'all know the ones I'm talking about. My 4-year-old just graduated kindergarten. It's kindergarten. Uh, full disclosure, I'm going to be that parent when my kid graduates kindergarten. I'm posting my kid graduated kindergarten. But I've also seen stuff like, "Oh, my my kid, they'll call him out by name just graduated swim class." It's swim class. They didn't graduate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or my my significant other just graduated pilot school or or whatever the case may be. I've seen I've seen people recently post about their kids graduating boot camp. I remember graduating boot camp as a Marine. It was one of the most exciting days of my life. But then you have your normal graduations like your regular ones. And Stacey, I I saw what you posted this past week about your son. You're like, he's he's graduating in two weeks. P.S. It's less than that now. And then and then Sam, I got, I told your wife this morning I got I got the card in the mail. And, and your son's graduating. I can't believe he's graduating. I can't believe it. <laughs> Drop your eyes a little bit. He's gra- he's graduating. I remember when he walked in as a freshman when we started the church, he's graduating now. I remember when your son first came, he's graduating now. Did y'all did y'all have any crazy parents at your graduations? Because I did. At my graduation, there was a rule with, with families. If you screamed out your kid's name or you cheered for them when their name was called out, then you were asked to leave the building. So That's, liter- that's literally what happened. I guess the idea was we a huge school trying to get everybody through in a timely manner and all that good stuff, but this is what happened. And it, it didn't fail. My family was one of them. As soon as the name was called, you would hear families just erupt. They would roar, they would cheer, they would just scream to the top of their lungs. And and if you were like my belligerent family, you had an air horn. And you would just, like you would just, like you would just go to town, ta- you would just celebrate when their name was called. And then you would see like the little like kind of like walk over, like, and they're like, no, nah, don't worry about it, we're leaving. <laughs> like, like every like family after family would just kind of escort themselves out. But it was wild when someone's name was called. Can you imagine when your son's name called? Can you imagine when your son's name's gonna be called and he's gonna walk across the stage? You're gonna have a sense of joy. You're gonna have a sense of pride. Maybe you've been to a graduation before and you've, you've heard someone's name being called and you knew that person. You were happy for that person. Their name was called. There was a different kind of pride and a different kind of honor. But there's power. There's power when a name is called. There's a sense of pride when your name is called. There's a sense of accomplishment when your name is called. I would give anything to hear my dad call my name one more time. My sister, my sister and I have a couple of voicemails that, that our dad left us. I listen to them occasionally. Hey, son, it's your old man just giving you a call. Call me back. Hey, son, just call and tell you I love you. I can just hear my name being called. I remember playing baseball, and I can hear my name being called by my dad. Zach! Yes, sir. Like, everybody could be screaming something, but but my dad called my name. I just, my ears perked up. Something about your name being called by your father. Across this room if everyone would just stand for just a second every head bowed and every eye closed what if, what if the entire time all the way through your life the Father has been calling out your name because names give identity and identity gives purpose what if the Father has been calling your name What if you've been walking through life and like Philip, you've said something along the lines of, show us the Father and I'll be satisfied. God, if you're really there, show yourself and I'll be satisfied. God, reveal yourself to me and I'll be satisfied. What I love about the Father is He always answers. What I love about the Father is that Scripture says that He bends His ear towards heaven and He hears your cries and He hears your prayers. What if, what if the Father has always been calling your name? Listen, maybe you had a rough childhood. Maybe there's seasons of your life, or even now, that you didn't get along with your father. Maybe you've projected your emotions of your earthly father on your heavenly Father. Maybe you're in the room and you just didn't have a good representation of what an earthly father really is. Can I tell you that he's calling your name? Can, can I tell you that he does want to have a relationship with you? Regardless, good, bad, or ugly, regardless of the relationship that you have with your earthly father, your heavenly father loves you. Your heavenly father wants to have a relationship with you. Pastor, what are you talking about? And We, we believe, We believe that stepping into a relationship with the Father is one of the most important things that you can ever do in your entire life. So on the count of three, this is what I'm going to ask. Maybe you've never stepped into a relationship with God. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hands, not to embarrass you, not to call you forward, but so that we can say a prayer together so that your relationship could start today. If that's you, saying, I just want a relationship with God all across this room kind of three, let's raise our hands. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, maybe you're in overflow, just slip up that hand. If you're watching online, send us a message. And then let's say this prayer collectively. Can we say, God, I need you. Come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Help me to live wide awake to your love and fully alive to my purpose. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's step back into worship.